welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. On this episode, Austin interviews owner and operator of Armored Athletes MKE, Alex Rosencutter. Um, Austin currently works at Armored Athletes, so they have a very good relationship in that regard. Uh, but they talk about how Alex went through kind of strength and conditioning and building this to then going back to school for athletic training to then creating really what they have going today and continuing to build it out and the services that they offer and why it's unique and kind of went that route. So again, this is an athletic trainer in an entrepreneurial setting providing some different um, services, both from the strength and conditioning side, but also looking at the athletic training side and why he thought that was important to have those combined together, which can obviously make a very powerful combination in terms of how you treat and train and care for athletes so lots of really good information in this episode um lots of good ideas if this is something that you're thinking about potentially venturing out into uh as more things progress in the athletic training world in terms of licensure etc in wisconsin it's an exciting time as we removed physician signature from our protocols allowing for ats to do a little bit more um, and do a little bit more freely. Uh, we got our first throw of the lifeline out. As you probably have heard, if you've been listening to the episodes, we're currently working on number two. We've got a couple donations to get us started. We will be continuing to drop in more money um, as we can, as we get from other avenues to try and fulfill these and get as many of these out as we can. Um, with that, thank you to Mueller for helping us out um, with giving the kit to be part of the supplies as well. So please check out athletictrainingchat.com backslash throw a lifeline. If you're able to contribute, we would appreciate it greatly. But without further ado, please enjoy this episode. Welcome to this episode of Athletic Training Chat. I am here today with Alex Rosencutter. He is an athletic trainer and strength and conditioning coach. Um, I actually went to grad school with Alex, so that's how we know each other, and we actually work together right now. So um, he's going to tell us a little bit about working as an athletic trainer, being a strength coach at the same time. He was actually a strength coach first for a number of years, so kind of gives us a unique perspective with that. He owns his own performance business in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, called Armored Athlete Health and Performance. And we'll let him tell you a little bit more about that. But he's also an athletic trainer for NBA officials here in the Milwaukee market. Mm -hmm. But um, I'll turn it over to Alex. If, if you could kind of introduce yourself a little bit more, a little bit about you, like where you went to school, you know, the basics. Oh, man, where do I start? Um, <laughs> You know, uh, I guess, you know, coming out of high school, uh, I was actually, I went on a, uh, I went on a basketball scholarship and was going for school kind of something completely differently out in Iowa. And then uh, I cut all that short after a year and realized it wasn't really what I was passionate about. Came back to Milwaukee, did my undergrad uh, in about three years uh, from UW-Milwaukee. 
And right out of the gate, uh, while I was in school doing my undergrad, uh, you know, started working full time, got certifications, studied my ass off and uh, worked full time as a coach, sought out different mentorships and internships with uh, really renowned coaches in, in the SNC field. And right out of the gate, had a clientele built up of about, you know, 50 people, took about 20 people with me and started my own business at the time, which was called Rosencutter Ultra Fitness and Performance. And uh, as you know, since but we just recently rebranded and started that about uh, 10 years ago and have grown it since. And then, like you said, uh, I think seven years into my game, I uh, always had this, you know, idea that I was going to go back to school at some point for something. And uh, I always had um, an idea of kind of combining athletic training with strength and conditioning because uh, I felt like those two really complemented each other really well. The same way, you know, you got some PTs who try to dabble in strength and conditioning. Um, it was just a really nice blend from a, uh, you know, scope of practice standpoint that uh, gave me uh, you know, concepts and ideas and the ability to work on both sides to be able to empower people a little bit more. Uh, so that's obviously where I met you. And then my time there in that program, you know, brought me to uh, University of Minnesota, working with the Gophers and their football team. And then uh, today into my current role and where we are now with Armored Athlete and, uh, you know, working with the NBA. Right. That's awesome. And so, like Alex said, we both came from UW Milwaukee's athletic training program, and one of their first master's classes, which is a topic for a whole nother day. <laughs> it's a lot with that being one of the first master's classes. But I think one of the cool things with that experience was we had capstone rotations where we kind of picked out and choose what we wanted, right? Yeah. And so, with that, like you said, you were in immersive clinical rotation with the Minnesota Gophers, specifically working football. Mm-hmm. So having that some experience work in a full-time setting as an athletic trainer yep. in the division one college, you're still here. You're still running your own business, even though I know that we've talked about it, there have been opportunities to kind of change into that more traditional setting. Mm-hmm. What, I guess, what drives you to like stay more in the non-traditional kind of the new sector of athletic training? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And it's, it's, partially by design and choice and then um maybe a little bit not but uh you know really what it comes down to is a um i would put it very simply as a work-life balance um being number one um number two um the construct of what you're you know really doing in your role and then number three uh financially uh, I have had many opportunities, both from a strength and conditioning standpoint and now from an ET standpoint over the years that have been brought up to me and I've discussed with teams and there's been a few positions I've almost taken or was very close to taking. And, uh, the, the root, what it really comes down to is a root based in, you know, I really have built something over these last 10 years that, allows me to have very, very good work-life balance, you know, recently married, you know, we're going to start a family and, um, you don't really have that. I mean, you were just recently with Mississippi state and you were working 
I mean, we, we know the deal at D1, you're working 80 hour weeks, right? Up early mornings, late at night, you're not really compensated well for it. Um, and I think that's just a little bit more, you know, deeper, um, conversation to have on where, you know, the AT field really needs to kind of go in order to improve the positions for AT for athletic trainers. But, um, there just hasn't been anything presented to me that has been strong enough to give me those two things that would be better than the situation that I'm currently in. You know, I, I can't argue with it. I work for myself. I'm able to work with all the people that I want to work with. I'm able to work with a broad range of individuals, both general population, pro athletes, youth athletes, uh, companies or businesses, which we've just recently started doing and hopefully continue to grow. And I just, there just hasn't been anything strong enough to really pull me away yet. And the non-traditional setting, I feel like will grow and grow uh, bit by bit every year that, you know, uh, that goes on as, you know, you see position turnover and, you know, the team ranks both professional and collegiately, and people start to figure out that you really don't need to take a position for vanity purposes and to say, oh, I work with so-and-so, or I work for this team. Because uh, at the end of the day, Vanny's not going to help you in life at all. It's having a work-life balance and the financial means to actually improve yourself as a human being and as an individual, but also professionally with whatever role that you're serving as. Right. And I think you make a really good point with the vanity thing. And I think it's something that we as athletic trainers, especially young ones, mm-hmm. when we're coming right out of school, like something that we struggle with and even struggle to acknowledge it. I mean, for me, that was something I struggled with. That was, I'm going to be honest, that was one of the reasons why I went with the position I did at Mississippi State. I don't have any regrets about it. I mean, I enjoyed my time there and I took a lot from it. But at the same time, that was largely driven by I wanted to be at a Division One school. Yeah. I wanted to work high-level college baseball. And that was my way in. Re- looking back, could I have probably done something different, taking a different path? Maybe. But I think that's something that's important, especially for new grads to realize, is that, um, yeah, it's vanity. And once you've been through that, you really have to actually start reading those pros and cons and that cost benefit. Like you said, the cost is your time, mm-hmm. a lot of time. And when you're younger, yes, you can spend it there. Mm-hmm. But as you're older, like you said, contextually things change. Mm-hmm. You get older, you have different obligations, you have family things. So I think it's something that especially young athletic trainers can benefit from thinking about there with the vanity perspective. Absolutely. And unfortunately, you know, this has been going on for years. And unfortunately, there's always going to be somebody else right around the corner, a younger professional that is willing to take those positions at that same pay level with those same, you know, uh, variables at play for the position. And at some point for the position, for the profession to be able to move forward, that will have to stop or be improved upon by governing bodies to really push, especially as you get into this position now where you have improved educational demands for the profession as a whole without the pay and the circumstances of the positions not improving at the same time. So it kind of creates this, you know, slope where you have this increasing educational demands and costs. 
and smarter professionals coming out, but you still don't have that improvement on the other side. And, uh, but I think the tide is slowly changing and that people are, are making a stronger push for entrepreneurial side of that like training or private settings, or even taking positions locally with, uh, you know, larger hospital groups or something like that as well too. Right. And I think one thing, especially within the last year and the COVID thing, especially with the changes you said, increased educational demand, smarter professionals. One thing that I've seen going through Athletic Training Twitter is you see all the people talking about positions that are posted for full-time jobs that no one's taking. Mm -hmm. I think kind of COVID kind of brought some of those issues to the forefront and kind of magnified some of those pre-existing problems. And I think a lot of athletic trainers were just done with it. And yeah, that kind yeah. of, that was what big kicker. Unfortunately, it's probably a needed kicker from the professional side, but I think that's something that's going to be interesting to watch here, especially in the coming years, as there has been a kind of a influx out of the traditional setting and a lot of traditional jobs are open right now. Yeah. I mean, you've seen that just in the, you know, the recent, you know, weeks or even month that, uh, I mean, you look at MLB positions that are open right now. I mean, God, there's gotta be at least a hundred. Right. Or if not more. Yep. And it's from top to bottom throughout the entire organization. And um, that's not just that's not just the MOB either. It's, you know, it's all across the board, collegiately, all different professional organizations. And uh yeah, and like we just said a little bit ago, it, at some point there needs to be an improvement on both sides of the spectrum in order to, you know, put better ATs that are deserving of those positions into those positions. And uh, you know, being able to provide them with what they really seek to get out of those positions from a professional, personal standpoint. Right. And I mean, this is a topic that we could go on about forever. This could be its own episode, but kind of in the interest of kind of moving on to our next thing here, I want to talk to you about being an athletic trainer and a bit of a strength coach. Cause like we said, you've had that unique benefit of being a strength coach for what going on about 10 years now yep. 10 plus years and just make recently making that transition to also being an athletic trainer mm -hmm. so i guess what i want to ask you is what are the benefits that one you personally see as an athletic trainer pre having been a strength coach in the past yeah but what are some of the things that athletic trainers can take from having a little more education on that front yeah oh Let's see, what side do I want to start this quick this answer <laughs> on? Um, well, first, first, I'll I'll start with strength and conditioning because that's where a lot of my background comes from um, in comparison. But you know, as a strength and conditioning coach, you have your education uh molded in the facets of you know high performance, how to coach and teach exercises, how to progress exercises how to adequately program for different athletic ranks or even general population, how to periodize in different, in different formats or ways, how to, um, you know, progress an individual and or team um, from say day one to uh, high output uh, performance wise on the field, on the court. Um, you know, you're, you're learning all those different things as a strength and conditioning coach or as a student going into the field, 
And then on the AT side, you're learning the sports medicine side. You're learning how to assess. You're learning how a little bit deeper with a little bit deeper from an anatomy standpoint and for strength and conditioning coaches and even personal trainers, I tell them you will go as far in the field as what your anatomy knowledge is. And that's the number one limiting factor I see for students that come in for mentorships or internships here. The anatomy lounge is very low. Uh, so you get a little bit more of that from the AT side. You also get the assessment side of things and you get the rehab side of things and you get that overall outlook from a sports medicine standpoint on how to do those things from a scope of practice. You can have your hands on people, which is very powerful and you can treat with different modalities and work in a little bit different position as a part of the high performance team. However, um, you know, so that's a very, very powerful thing to add to strength and conditioning um, as a professional there. So that was the main reason why I wanted to go back. I always knew I was going to at some point. And when they kind of started to formulate and make a shift to a master's degree, I was like, okay, right now is the time. I had the business at a point where I could comfortably do that. Um, it was a stretch. It was a push uh, doing that full time and then running the business at the same time. However, back on track here, the ATs that I have come across both in the positions I've, I've worked up to this point as AT, and then even right now uh, with students coming out of school is their exercise knowledge on how to coach, how to program, or how to progress is very lacking. And that's something that they can learn from the strength and conditioning side because there is this kind of, I feel, you know, slight push where those two facets are starting to become a little bit more blended every single year. You're starting to see positions posted um, for strengthening conditioning rehab specialists. You start seeing, you know, AT with A and C background. You're starting to see those, you know, different facets being blended a little bit more. But the ATs, they need to understand and learn how to program, how to get that athlete performing at an optimal level how to progress exercises, how to actually coach exercises. Uh, and then on the SNC side, they can get better with their anatomy, how to assess, how to look at movement a little bit better, kinematics and you know, overall kinesiology of things a little bit better um, because they both really blend hand in hand on how to improve somebody's performance, you know, really outright. Right. Yeah, definitely some good points there. And one thing that I thought about having kind of a little bit of a background with both mm -hmm. one thing, especially with the strength and conditioning side that I think is important for athletic trainers, being a strength and conditioning uh, coach, you're managing a lot of different personalities and the way you manage and you work with people is a lot different than when you're coming at it from a clinical side. Mm -hmm. But I think that having that experience working with athletes from that coaching side, it's made me a better athletic trainer because one thing that I, I know tends to happen, I'm guilty of it too, is you come at a patient and you really just kind of see whatever problem they have. Mm -hmm. And I think having that wider perspective, being able to work with different personalities, being versatile in how you communicate is something that strength coaches do really well in that having that blended knowledge is going to make you better at both. Yeah. And you, you hit the nail on the head too, is you have to be personable as well too. You can take somebody, you can teach them all the science, you can teach them how to do things, 
but you can't change their personality or how personable they are, or do they have the emotional uh, maturity to interact with people, to be able to coach them. That's one thing you get out of SNC and coaching and interacting with people and larger groups of people um, that I feel like you, know, you can definitely benefit the other side as well too. Right. Yeah. Definitely. And I think having the athletic training degree switch to a master's degree, I think that might help kind of with that. Because like you said, we have to go through a four-year degree beforehand. Mm-hmm. Granted, not everyone will, might choose like a strength conditioning exercise science. There might be other degrees. I know I had a classmate, we had a classmate in grad school whose undergrad was biology. Okay. So a yeah. little bit a little bit different. But okay. at the same time, you come in with more of those experiences. And I think that is one of the benefits of having an entry-level master's. Is you, you are, you're older, so you're just generally a little bit more mature, mm-hmm. but you also have more experiences with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, couldn't agree more. All right. So now kind of talking about integrating that fitness, strength and conditioning and athletic training, like you said, can you uh, tell us a little bit about how you ended up starting what was once Rosencutter Ultra Fitness and Performance, mm-hmm. now recently rebranded to Armored Athlete. Can you just give us a little background on your business? Yeah. So, um, you know, it started, you know, roughly 10 years ago out of another gym. And, uh, you know, my, my brother, who's also in the field, started as business partners, started a first location, and we branched out into two locations. And, from the training side, it's a semi-private model where we are individually coaching, you know, small groups of people up to four people per coach at a time. However, we are individually assessing every person, individually programming for every person, and we're coaching every person individually, but they might just be training with somebody else at the same time. So that maximizes, maximizes our hours as coaches, but then, um, you know, creates a little bit more camaraderie, better training atmosphere for the individuals and gives them more scheduling opportunities. So for, you know, seven years, it was just a training business. You know, all we did was training assessments, nutrition work, and now it's kind of blended into really a total human performance, uh, you know, business where we are, you know, doing the training side of things, but we also have our manual therapy offerings. You know, I specialize in active release technique and we have started working with different businesses and we're starting community outreach programs with different teams and programs. And obviously it's been a little bit slower than on that regard than I would have liked up to this point, but just something that's going to take time. Like it, it took time to develop the training side of things, but um, hopefully in the future here, we're seen as a you know, a brand that works locally and regionally with different companies, businesses, um, sports programs, teams, and individuals from, you know, your gen pop all the way to your professional athlete ranks that, you know, provides them with the resources needed in order to help them succeed. Right. Absolutely. So I guess, could you go a little bit deeper, a little bit more in depth into kind of how you integrate those athletic training skills. I know you mentioned kind of the assessments, Mm -hmm. some of the screens and some of the manual therapy stuff. I guess, can you tell us a little bit more what that is here at Armored Athlete? Yeah. So as you know, um, the very first thing we'll do is we'll do basically what we call like a 360 degree screen of one. We'll look at posture. We'll look at their dynamic movement. We'll look at uh, joint range of motion. We'll look at um, stability, instability. We'll look at muscle imbalances. 
Uh, if they're coming in with an injury, we'll, you know, screen whatever special tests we need to run as well too. Or if they're coming as a referral from, you know, a PT that we work with or a physician we work with, we'll take all those factors into consideration as well. And then, um, you know, depending upon what type of service they need, it might just be, you know, direct access, you know, manual therapy work that or treatment that we'll do to help get them out of pain. Or if it's from the training side of things, we're looking to optimize their movement as much as possible. So from the AT side of things, you know, I'm taking skills and knowledge base and so are you within our business model and our systems to provide our knowledge from the likes of understanding how to assess an individual. Like what anatomy am I looking at? Like, what am I doing when I'm assessing and screening and what does it mean? And then how do I program to improve this? Right. And so uh, if I have somebody coming in with um, poor foot and ankle stability, okay, what am I going to do to improve upon that? Or if they got weak hip strength, what am I going to do to improve upon that? How am I going to program for that regard? And then from the coaching side of things, understanding, okay, how am I choosing my exercises that pertain best to this person's anatomy and their anatomical concerns or goals for them? And then what exercises am I coaching then to understand, okay, what are the joint actions going on? What are the kinematics that are going on on how I'm loading them and when I'm loading them and how do I progress them from that point? So you're taking all those little tidbits from the AT standpoint and you're applying them just in a multiple perspectives, both while you're doing assessment or while you're doing manual therapy or while you're doing coaching on the, on the gym floor. Um, so hope, does that answer your question? Yeah, okay. definitely. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. So, and then one of the things I also want to ask you with that is that's a lot that you're working to integrate into a pre existing business. Mm -hmm. I mean, you kind of mentioned it's not it's something new, it's something that's not being done a lot right now because it's relatively new into that non traditional setting. Yeah. What are some of the issues you've run into? I know you mentioned starting and expanding that the athletic training sports mag service side is going a little bit slower, but is there any thing, any real big issues that you've run into with that? Well, I think it's, you know, the, you know, starting out when we're starting to implement all these different things, it's, you know, we've been in business for, we had been in business for seven years at that point. We had already developed a very robust identity to that point with people. And now we're throwing something brand new in. And uh, it was just, communicating with current clientele of, okay, we can, we can offer you a little bit more now. We can do these things a little bit better now. And it changed some systems from programming and exercise progressions. It, it took a lot of communication on the front end. Um, but then, you know, on top of that, it's, you know, trying to gain commitments from individuals then also teams and programs and businesses that we are um, trying to allocate these services to um, another big one is making sure you're navigating state practice guidelines appropriately, uh, working with PTs and physicians. And um, it's just one of those things that's going to take time and consistency. But I think the biggest challenge up front was just we had that established identity. And now we're trying to broaden that identity even further and adding different nuances into it. It's so not completely changing who we are, but just basically broadening the scope of the identity, so to speak, um, was the biggest challenge because you know, people see you for so long as one thing and now they're going to see you a little bit differently. 
And it's, it's worked well on the individual standpoint of people that we work with. And we run very heavily on internal marketing strategies, as you know, and uh, it's just something that's going to take time and consistency with, you know, commitments from teams and programs. As you know, we had one really big one coming at the end of the summer. And then just like that, it was just smoke and air and it was just gone. Um, And we've reached out to lots of different programs. And I think COVID probably has a little bit to do with it, but that's just something that's going to have to continue to be a consistent factor in order to get that off the ground and running. Definitely. So, I mean, you, you answered my next question. I was going to ask, how do you go ahead and market that? But I think you covered that pretty well. So I guess what I ask for you, for athletic trainers mm-hmm. looking to get more on that entrepreneurial side, looking to get more into the non-traditional aspect, yeah. what is your advice for them? My advice for them is, one, ask yourself, you know, why are you doing what you're currently doing, right? And is that leaving you feeling satisfied? What are you getting out of it, the pros and cons? And then uh, if you have an idea that you feel like will work from an entrepreneurial standpoint, or you have that passion to try and do that, you need to understand that nothing is ever going to be perfect, right? There's never going to be a perfect time. You're never going to have this idea that's going to be the most perfect thing because somebody can have a perfect idea, but if they don't know how to go and implement it, or they never try to implement it, it's just an idea. It's not anything that's ever been accomplished. Um, so if you have that vision, then an understanding that along with that vision, there's never going to be this perfect, you know, sunny moment where it's like, now is the time. You just got to go after it. And then as you're doing that, really try to gain as much business knowledge as possible. That's from books, from resources. I'm happy to be a resource for anybody because there's a lot of different nuances that go into running a business. I can't tell you how many fantastic professionals, both in strength conditioning and ET that I know that have tried it, but they just didn't know how to run a business and it faltered. Um, and I know a lot on the other side that knew how to do it and they're, they're doing fantastic. It's great. Um, because a uh, small statistic is, you know, 1% or within the first year, uh, 50% of new businesses will be shut within five years. I think it's 85% of those businesses will be shut. So your goal is make it year one, make it five years, get past that point. Heavy lifting's done, keep going, keep growing. Um, but if you have an idea and you feel like it work, gain as much business sense and knowledge as you possibly can, because you can be the best practitioner, but if you don't understand numbers or how to work within a business itself, then you know that'll kind of fall to the wayside. But um, speaking more specifically to AT side of things, you know, depending on where you are in the country or internationally, understand kind of what the state practice guidelines are and then work within those means and develop your business around that, connect with other professionals, SNC coaches, PTs, physicians, and work with them to start developing your clientele and really build systems. You got to build systems. And I mean, we could have a whole episode just talking the business side of things, um, but those would be the biggest tidbits just to start out. Absolutely. And I think that's something that's been kind of eye-opening for me. Granted, I don't deal with a lot of it, but just being introduced to that side, because whether it be through my own clinical rotations Mm -hmm. or my time as an athletic trainer, it's pretty much been through that university at traditional setting. Yeah. So seeing new things here, it's 
been challenging, but it's interesting. And I think you're right. Having a business knowledge, like scare go a long way to making sure that you're successful. Yeah. And, and then you see here too, right. It's, um, you know, there's, there's some mornings where I have to spend two to three hours working just on business stuff. Right. I, I hate it because <laughs> I'd much rather be out there doing coaching people um, or working with people, but it's a necessary evil because you got to keep things running because right. um, you're not doing this to not make any money. You're doing it to make money and help other people that, you know, you're working with to succeed as well too, and to put them in a, in a better position. Um, but uh, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, like you said, we could probably talk about the business stuff, mm-hmm. the non-traditional setting yeah. for quite a while. So maybe that was something we do in a follow-up, but, <laughs> but definitely now kind of on to our last main point. It's kind of, it's almost like a footnote just because of everything else that you do, everything else that you're doing with your business. But you also serve as a official or official, you serve as an athletic trainer for NBA officials here yep. in the Milwaukee market. Yep. Can you kind of tell us how you got into that and kind of what that entails? Yeah. So I had a, uh, um, a mutual connection that, you know, sent me, you know, some kind of info connected me to the position and, uh, you know, that started that was that, um, I started at the season. They came out of the bubble of Orlando. And really what the position entails is um, really I am serving the officials assigned to that market home game here in Milwaukee. And that's it. And I'm not working with players or anything like that. Um, So we'll have three officials per game Um, on game days. We're taking in, um, you know, we're taking an injury report. We're getting a referee assignments for the day. We're looking at their previous treatments from ATs or whatever market they're coming from. So we have that communication documented and we're able to kind of base what our, you know, process is going to be for them that day. Um, last year, you know, with COVID, you know, we had specific, you know, morning check-ins and testing we were doing as well too. Um, so we'll, we'll arrive there about three hours prior to the game, uh, prep the AT room for what's needed based off, you know, who you're going to be seeing that day and providing them with their evaluations, whatever manual therapy or treatment they are needing that day or whatever rehab work they're needing that day um, or prehab work. And then uh, you're communicating directly with the medical liaison um, on the league and, uh, you know, completing your uh, lovely documentation like you would in any other setting and um, uh, going from there. And the nice thing with it is that, you know, there's, there's no travel involved really. Um, you know, you're specifically here to the, the home market that you're in, which is really nice, which allows me to kind of, you know, be here as well too. And there's at least one of us in every NBA market around the country as well too. And it's, the guys are fantastic. They're great. They are, um, they're just, yeah, they're, they're great people. You know, you never really know what to expect going into a situation, right. Um, especially when it comes to, you know, professional sports or higher end and, uh, yeah, they're just great individuals to work with coming from all different walks of life and, you know, different areas around the country. And, um, they all really care about their jobs and what they're doing and, um, being able to stay healthy. Oh, that's awesome. It's definitely, again, a little bit off the beaten path there from, you know, the traditional school, hospital, clinic, whatever you want to say, but definitely some interesting thing. And you're just getting involved in a lot of interesting 
areas, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I like to I like to keep myself busy. That's for sure. Right. Awesome. Well, I think that wraps it up with our main questions, but we always kind of close down our episodes with what we call our athletic training five questions. Okay. So I'm going to kind of hit you here. So for what I got for you, where do you see athletic training going in the next five to 10 years? Like trying to set the example there. Ooh. Um, I think, I think there's one going to be a bigger push for the entrepreneurial side. Cause as we talked about, you know, through our discussion today is, I think there's going to be a lot of professionals who are just seeking more out of their, out of their profession, out of the job of being an athletic trainer. And I think there's going to be an increased push for that. And I, I think for the very first time ever for the entire time that I've been receiving the magazines, I actually saw an entire section in the NATA magazine just to entrepreneurship with the athletic training. And uh, I think that's something that something that could really help that push um, in the next five to 10 years is, you know, our government bodies really pushing for increasing, you know, scope of practice for the AT um, and increasing the education surrounding, you know, who an athletic trainer really is. Uh, Cause I think there's, there's still this like consumer um, misunderstanding that an athletic trainer is just a personal trainer, right? It's very easily confused, but there needs to be a better understanding that the position is, it's a medical license. It's a you know, master's degree. This is what their education is like. You know, it's a little bit closer to some PT. And um, so I think hopefully there'll be a bigger push for the entrepreneurial side of things. And um, as we've seen in team ranks, I think there's also going to be a bigger push for uh, blending of positions with AT and S and C um, as well on the sport and team side, just people that can work on both sides because, you know, there needs to be more individuals um, from the AT side to understand the strength and conditioning side and vice versa. And uh, hopefully a larger pay, uh, you know, push for increasing pay and opportunities for ATs too. But I think, you know, from the sport and team side, you know, it's going to be more of a blend type of push. And, um, you know, for people coming out of those types of positions, it's going to be more of a push around the entrepreneurial side or even private sector side. Definitely. All right. So next question I have for you, what or who has been the most influential resource you found in your career? Kind of blending both your strength and your AT backgrounds here. I'll just go with one. Um, You know, there's a lot of people I could list off, but first and foremost, my brother, Um, he's my Michael Jordan, you know, so to speak. Um, And he's just a wealth of knowledge and, um, really where I got my work ethic from was just growing up watching him and seeing how he worked. And I knew if I worked just as hard as that, if not harder, then I could be like a fraction of his professional standpoint and his knowledge level. The guy's just a beast. Um, yeah. Then, then I knew I'd be on the right path somewhere. Right. Um, so he's, he's been the biggest influence for me, not just from a training standpoint, um, but also from a business standpoint and a life standpoint too. Uh, and I feel like, you know, everybody's got to have somebody like that or some resource like that. Right. He's, he's, he's been there for me my entire life and, uh, in all regards. And, um, if you have that one person or a group of people, you can keep plugging knowledge from, I mean, keep using those resources and he's definitely it for me. Definitely. Yeah. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, if you could, this is always kind of a hot one too. If you could change your eliminate one thing in athletic training, like a modality, common <laughs> practice, and mindset, what would it be? Oh, man. I'll stay away from modality because uh, that's a hot topic. You know, it'll get us down a rabbit hole. <laughs> I think it's the uh, one thing that I just heard way too much is uh, the notion of resting and not understanding training in itself. I hear way too many physicians, PTs, um, ATs as well to give out this, you gotta just rest, don't do nothing. Just rest, don't do nothing. Really what I take that as is you're, you're trying to just cover your ass. Right. And I, I get it, um, you know, there's liability issues, but I think that's really the worst thing you could tell anybody who's coming off an injury or, um, just trying to get back into playing shape or whatever it might be. But, um, I think we, everybody needs to have a much better understanding of what good training actually in itself is and how that's optimal for recovering and recovering an athlete who's coming off of injury or just staying in injury and how that can be beneficial to them. Because, um, just telling a person to rest, I think is a really big detriment. No, I'm not saying that there's never times where you want to rest and just take load off. I'm not saying that, but I think it's just rest and do nothing is it's a cop out. And I think that needs to definitely improve in the education on how optimal loading can help us early on post-injury. And then even later on in rehab, um, phases can really, uh, help improve the outcomes of the people that we're working with. Definitely. Thanks. So, something I agree with you agree with you on there last one i have for you here what does being an athletic trainer mean to you oh man you know you always you always think about this question and you also think about it from the standpoint of why why do i do what i do but uh you know i was an athlete and i always wanted to help others not make the same mistakes that i made when i was an athlete which was i didn't care about strength and conditioning i didn't care about nutrition i didn't care about training I just wanted to play and I played, 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 got burnt out, got hurt, should have done it way differently. Uh, so really what it means to me is you being an advocate and a conduit for the individual to be able to move well, feel well, and perform optimally the best way that they can. And, uh, you know, serving as that advocate for that, whether it's whatever manual therapy or rehab work you're doing with them, whatever strength and conditioning work you're doing with them and really serving as that advocate for that. All right. Awesome. All right. That's all the questions I have for you today, but uh, I just want to ask you anything else you want to share with us today. And if not, uh, where can people find you? Um, don't get anything else, but uh, you know, Instagram, you can find me. You can just type in my name, Alex Rosencutter. That'll pop up or uh, MKE Strength, if you want to learn more about Armored Athlete and everything we do here, and Facebook, Armored Athlete Health and Performance as well, and then um, our website, armoredathletemke.com. So awesome. definitely, definitely give those a look. Yeah. Awesome. We'll make sure to put those kind of in our episode page when we put it up here, but I appreciate your time today. Yeah. It was a fun conversation. Like Pretty, you said, yeah. could definitely go deeper on a lot of those and spend a lot of time talking about those, some of those topics in there, but yeah. I have to have you on for a follow-up on some of those for sure. Absolutely. Anytime, brother. I appreciate your time, man. Appreciate it. Thanks.